Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And here we are on our way south. And it's New Year's Eve. (sighs) And why am I sitting here in my RV instead of tripping the light fantastic, wearing sparkly clothes and swilling champagne? Because it's cold in Chicago and it's warm here. So why am I not... Tripping the light, fantastic. Because you're with your husband. <laughs> Who doesn't like to trip the light, fantastic? <laughs> now we're getting closer oh, to the truth. Uh, the, the truth is coming out here, ladies and gentlemen. But no, not really. I don't mind tripping the lights, fantastic. But we have destinations to hit. And quite honestly, after two and a half days <laughs> of fairly vigorous driving, and we're after quite f- happy. Four decades of, <laughs> of New Year's Eve. We're quite happy to hunker down here in our little. RV and share our New Year's Eve with you, our dear listeners. Yes, uh, just as we did last year, we were on our way south end. Uh, this year, we're on our way to Florida. We are just kind of party poopers at this time of year. Christmas is over, holidays are over, and we just want to sit down and talk to friends. And sometimes when you go out on New Year's Eve, it's very expensive and not worth... Yeah, but right here in Savannah, they have a free... The best place to spend New Year's Eve is on a cruise ship, I think. Indeed. But we just got off a cruise ship. We did that for about 20 years. So so we're not going to do that tonight. No, but we're going to have a good time because we have lots of interesting topics that we have collected since the last big show, which seems like it was just yesterday. It was just yesterday. But we did get good comments. Did we? Yes, and I appreciate everybody who wrote. And uh, So have you made a New Year's resolution? New Year's resolution. We'll do two podcasts a month when we're on the road. If we have something to say. We'll do two podcasts a month if we're on the road. So keep those suggestions and questions coming. (laughs) We will try if you want to hear from us. But if you don't, then just listen once a month. I'm looking over um, the materials that Ken has accumulated for tonight's podcast, and I'm I'm thinking that they're generally in a humorous vein. Well, some of the beginning ones definitely are. The New Year's Eve special requires it. And we're glad to say that it's already New Year's Eve in Australia. No, it's, it's New Year's Day. New Year's Day, in that's Australia. right. So this, this podcast is really being done on New Year's Eve. But, where uh, we are. Yes, where we are. But it will be a little bit late in getting put up because it takes time to make all that happen, especially when we're on, in the RV. But we know that we have understanding listeners. Who probably have better things to do on New Year's Day than yes. listen to us. Tell us what your RVing adventures are. Your favorite RVing adventure in, an R- in on New, New Year's, Year's Eve. Eve. Ooh. What's our favorite adventure? Yeah. Watching poor Dick Clark. Oh. <laughs> Yes, well, we used to watch Dick Clark when he was young. When we were young. I hope that we don't do an RV Navigator podcast when I can't talk. Like, he can't talk anymore. Anyway. Anyway. Our trip was uh, has been uneventful so far, which is good. Which is wonderful. After a thousand miles, yeah. The past couple of years. We've, we've had, had a hard time escaping Chicago, the Chicago yeah, land. And, you know, we want to warn everybody to be careful about the weather and look at 
the weather down the road because you never know when you're going to run into some bad storms. And they just had tornadoes in Alabama. And, and look at this this year. I, for those poor people in Boston and yeah. out in California. If we and, lived there, and, we'd still be there. And today in Phoenix, they've had snow and cold. terrible cold weather. Um, boy, it could get to be bad. So you got to, in the wintertime, you just have to pay attention to the. And be patient and yes. make your getaway when it's yeah, prudent we've, to we've do so. Yeah, we've eight days for this trip. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Learning if the hard you, When you retired, you could do that. Yeah. <laughs> eight days. Well, my next door neighbor, I went over to see him and I, and I said, well, we're going to take four days. That would be the minimum. What we've planned, we've allotted eight days. And, he's, and his family left from Chicago to go back to Texas. And they left at five in the morning and we're going to be home at 10 at night. <laughs> to each his own. Oh, and he looked at me like... You gotta be crazy. You just gotta drive straight through. So, what have we got to talk about this month? Well, how about the jib jab? We love jib jab. They're always so clever. Yes, indeed. Uh, jib jab has so long to you, 2010. An end of the year video. It's an anal. It's very a clever. animation. Yes, very clever. very clever. And we're going to put that up for you to take a look at the link. Um, I can't really describe it except that it is. Uh, it's art. political in nature, and, it, fe- and well, it reminds you of so many things that happened this year that I already forgot about. Okay, so that's that's good. And you might want to take a look at some of the other good things on Jib Jab because they are pretty funny. Awkward Family Photos, another great website, um, awkwardfamilyphotos.com. And people, I don't know why they do this, but you've all sat around the Christmas tree or the Thanksgiving table or something and had family pictures taken. Well, here they collect ones that look strange. And holidays tend to be the times when you take those photos and usually one or more family members don't really want to be in those photos and they lie in a shoebox for 20 years until someone comes across them and sees the humor in the situation that was not evident at the time the photo was taken. Yes. So people have sent in their own photos for others to laugh at. To laugh at. Can you imagine sending in your photos for your family to laugh at them or for others to laugh at them? But if you want to take a laugh and enjoy some photos that uh, will make you laugh, then take a look at awkwardfamilyphotos.com. And it actually is a website. I can't believe people actually send in their pictures. Now, let's see. Extensive. Yes, it has on a large, page after large page. Collection. We do have the 10 tips for successfully backing your trailer. One of our listeners was nice enough to send us this this article. And, of course, we it's want to... It's definitely written tongue-in-cheek. No, no, no. It's very serious. We want you to definitely be careful as you back your trailer. And one of the things we're going to talk about is the difference between a travel trailer, uh, fifth wheel, and a motorhome. And, of course, this applies only to the fifth wheel and the travel trailer. Plan your trips carefully so you can always arrive at your campsite after dark, which these people right next door to us did just tonight, because then you can run over everything. And, and you not, won't even know you it. you won't even know it. And if there are small kids out there, you can run over them, too. So you don't have to worry about any other problems if you can't see them, Right. And then they have helpful hints about um, the person who is like me trying to wave at the person like you who is trying to back up the trailer and giving them appropriate hand yeah, signals. She would always do this to me. Point. And standing in the blind spot. I can never tell whether is that is that the way I'm supposed to turn the wheel or is that the way I'm supposed to have the trailer going backwards. Anyway, uh, select a campsite that is far from being level so that you have lots of fun doing the leveling. And you well, can see this exact list up. when you go to the website and take a look at it. And of course, jackknifing a trailer by turning too far when backing is a myth. Unless you hear the crunch of failure, you are fine. Even if you could see the rear bumper in your 
trailer of your trailer when looking through the front passenger window by pushing the envelope like this you'll find that you are able to get in and out of campsites that were otherwise impossible and of course we saw a gentleman oh who punched out his window punched out his window with the fifth wheel yes right after he bought the fifth wheel brand new first time he'd driven the fifth wheel backed it up jackknifed it banged it took out the back window of his pickup truck so that, that does could be give serious one pause. which is left which is right all this stuff is very important when you're backing and i suggest if you are uh, looking for some good tips about backing up you read this article <laughs> and then do the opposite, <laughs> and then of, what do the opposite of what it says yes um we had a, another interesting article from a gentleman who uh is a collector of automa- automotive sales uh, literature and has came across uh the sticker of a 1963 Dodge motorhome, which could be bought for $9,500, had a 318 cubic inch engine, and most everything else was an option, which is unbelievable to us. So, Including a heater. No, but I mean, this is the driving compartment heater, which yeah. is usually, you want a, a water heater, $44.95. Do you want a spare tire? A spare tire, and it had a gas light. What does an incinerator type toilet mean? You I burn? Don't think we, I, I don't. <laughs> I think well, that was also an extra. Uh, $97 are fairly expensive. I, I think an incinerator toilet is. Oh, do I want to say this? Never mind. I think it. People might be eating while they're listening to I think it has a little tank that goes around the exhaust system, and the exhaust system heats the stuff and burns it off. Oh, that would smell bad. <laughs> Backup lights are an extra. Uh, the turn, the, the fl- four-way flasher signals, the safety flasher, wow. battery charger, mud flaps. I can't even envision lights. what this RV Seat would look like. Seat belts are... Yeah, they weren't required in 63. Really? In 63? Mm-hmm. Flat- wow. If you wanted storage compartments, you had to pay extra anyway. Well, that's a have-it-your-way <laughs> RV. A, a, a lot has changed. A, a, a lot has changed. A la RV planning. Now, if you would like to add an interesting gadget to your RV, one of the things that I like about the motorhome is, is that it has a backup camera. And, of course, if you have a... A travel trailer or a fifth wheel, you probably don't have a backup. But you might camera, wish you did. But you might wish you did. One of the things that I use it for the most is when I'm driving, so that I can see when I'm past the vehicle that I'm passing, passing so that I know when to pull back into the lane. Um, and of course, this is mostly on interstates. I don't do much passing on regular roads, but past a farmer or two. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, it does happen. But most of the time, it's on, a, on an interstate. But it's still extremely important that you don't. <laughs> run the guy off. off. And with the fifth wheel, I was always guessing exactly how far I was. Whereas this, you put this little camera, and it's a wireless camera, has a 5.6-inch LCD monitor, which goes, uh, of course, on your dashboard. They communicate uh, wirelessly, so you can have the camera on the back of your fifth wheel or whatever trailer you have, and you don't need any wiring. Good idea. We should have put that in the Christmas wish list. Well, we didn't know about it at the Christmas wish list, and that's from ASE. A electronics.com. But of course, there will be a link to it on the show notes for this month. Well, this episode. You realize this is episode 60? No. You've gotten me which to do this circum- 60 times? Which other- <laughs> I haven't got you to do anything ever 60 times. <laughs> but. 
that's five years. Yes, we have been it is. doing the RV Navigator for almost five years. Happy birthday to us! We've done two mid two mid month episodes, but other than that, it's been straight through on every month. Oh, wow. Happy birthday to us. Happy New Year to us. So as 2011 starts, we start our sixth year. Wow. Keep those cards and letters coming. (laughs) And if they contain a check, that's even better. Or chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) Or chocolate chip cookies. Mm. Boy, I could go for that right now. Now, we know most of you have GPSs, so you want to take a look at the lowclearances.com because they have a nice POI file, a point of interest file, for your GPS. They have them for all of the major brands, and you can download it into your GPS so that when you come (laughs) up to the bridge (laughs) that is not quite tall enough, it will alert you. Shouldn't it reroute you before you ever get to that bridge? I, I have not, I, I, I would. I, I bought this. Uh, it was. It's on sale here at Christmas for ten dollars, and so I bought the POI file. Maybe that was what that bonging was that we heard for the first time on. God, it shouldn't GPS. be. <laughs> we were only on the interstate. The bridges yeah. can't be no, too low no, no. there. Right. So I couldn't. Oh, jeez. Well, maybe it. Well, maybe we should pay more you attention. You need to know exactly how this works. I don't know how it works. Well, this is a problem. So the first time I run into a bridge, I'll be. You'll able know to, it. Did didn't work. No, well, it probably. It should well, route you around. Things. No, I don't think it routes you at all. I, I think it just—it's just an alert system. So what do you do? You slam on your brakes, and there you are. Yeah. Well, yeah. But then what? And they have ones for all the different height levels that you may need, up to fifteen feet. But then what? You have to stop. And then what? Well, you worry about then you get out and you think about it before you run. Mm. I haven't had to use I'd it, but it seems like a good, around it seems like a good idea. I'm not really worried about the interstates, but boy, it could be yeah, a, a yeah. shock. Yeah. Oops, there goes the air conditioner. And we know <laughs> we know a lot of our viewers who don't well, like and I think interstates we have, and like to dink around on little roads. Indeed. And we have seen videos. Of I think we've put links to various yes, with people, of people who have had some, bad some fairly bad that. experiences. But you might want to take a look at that. That's a new website as far as I know and a new, a new product. Uh, and it does cost a little bit, but you know. And if we run into a bridge, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where can we go to test it? I don't really want to test it. No, I don't want to know. But you need to pay attention to this while we're driving, this navigator. Pay-as-you-go programming for RV. Now, this is a terrific idea. Great idea. I want to do this. No. Why not? Well, it's not not high-tech enough for us. Oh, but it sounds like a much better for the wallet plan. A pay-as-you-go television service for RV owners tailgaters and campers no commitment required no monthly service fees no fees to start up or stop your service so you get dish network for your rv and pay only for the month of service that you use this is a terrific plan with this program you can get over 120 channels including hd for just 39.99 a month that's a good deal so for 40 dollars a month you get High-definition satellite TV. All you have to do is buy the satellite dish. So why isn't this high-tech enough for us? Because we use the dish network in the home. So we never turn it off? We never turn it off. Okay. And we don't want to turn it off because oh, we use okay. it 12 months out of the year. Okay. But I do pay substantially more than $40 a yes, month. Yes, But you do. can bet that I the $40 that. a month is just the beginning. The, the now, they price. also have, to go right along with this, the, the check out our RV satellite finder application for the iPhone. And You used that just today. This is interesting because the one that I have, uh, which I mentioned before, is 
comprehensive in that it includes all of the satellites, whereas this one has the coordinates or the when you point it at the sky. This is called augmented reality, where you have a you put your put it on your iPhone, you launch the iPhone app, and then you point this thing at the sky, and it shows you in the sky where the satellites are. So it kind of draws them in. Draws them in uh-huh. draw over the reality. Uh-huh. This one though only has the dish network once, which we don't use, so we don't care. So I, I I was out there having to guess. The good thing is is that this only costs two dollars. The, the mine costs like twenty dollars. <gasps> twenty dollars for an app. Oh, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have told her. <gasps> but we use it all the time. It's very well. Helpful. We used it today, and we've used, used it, it yesterday. Yeah, too. we've been on two out of the three nights we've been on the road so far. I've yep, used it. We've used it. So that's worth twenty dollars. It's worth twenty dollars to get good satellite. If you're looking for an inexpensive way to do this, and you have an iPhone or probably anything else, give this a try. It's called dishformyrv.com. Now, there's another camp and RV app for finding campgrounds. You don't have this on your list. This uh, is an app that has campgrounds in it, city lookups. It has 16,825 campgrounds, KOAs, private state parks, national parks, BLM, national forest. It has all the Walmarts, overnight parking like casinos and other stops, 2,800 truck stops with amenities, Sam's Club and Costco's, outdoor supply stores, all of that in in 1,700 RV dealers and service places all in one app on your iPhone. How much does that cost? I don't know. I bought it. <laughs> it used- app- I've used it a few times, and I think maybe we should be using it more because it's so comprehensive. It does sound very complete. This is called this is called Camp and RV app. So you have to go to the app store to take a look at that. They also, as I notice, have a bunch of other apps that might be useful, but I don't know. Change. Hotels, finding by cha- coffee, find outdoor, finding store. a hardware store. Oh, there have been finding many discount times. stores. So those Although are all GPS other apps. Can find a hardware store. Yeah, but this is specifically made for RVers uh-huh. and has a, a comprehensive. I mean, that, look at that. I mean, that's about everything you'd want. We have done this with POI files in our GPS, but of course, this is just another way to do it. And because you carry your phone with you, you might want to have it all the time because you could use it for all sorts of good stuff. When you're walking down the street, you could find casinos. Why do I need them when I'm walking down the street? Just in case you need a casino, you have a, a, a quick need for a casino. <laughs> I are don't just, know. It just, sounds are, like a good. Are you're walking down the street, you, you need a Walmart. Are they casinos you can camp at, or just any old casinos? Um, I assume it's casinos that you can camp at, but uh-huh. I don't know. Well, we'll have to use it and give people a report. Okay. Uh, now, I'm a world-renowned chef, as Indeed. most people know. Indeed. And Every always, Tuesday. And, and I'm always looking for... <laughs> How does this work? He cooks one day a week on Tuesdays. And sometimes we end up going out to eat on Tuesdays. Well, what would you do? <laughs> I cook the other six days. That's I what I do. So you get to quote plenty. But I'm a world-renowned cook. Oh, yes. As long as he doesn't use any ingredients. that's Well, that's my rule. No ingredients. Not what I would call cooking. No, what I mean by no ingredients is you can open a box and you can put things in the oven. Or you defrost can add water, something. Or I could defrost something. But when you got to start putting a variety of ingredients together. Now, how about something I'm going to try? Trash can turkey. That doesn't need any ingredients? No. Before you laugh, just think about the last time you ate a good turkey. Thanksgiving. Yes, but you need it. How do you do that in your RV? 
You I can't would, cook a 20 pound buy, turkey in your RV. No, I could do a lot of Most people can't. There's something very important to, to remember. Follow my tips and you'll have the prettiest, juiciest turkey in the block. The best part about it is that the trash can turkey takes only one hour to cook, uh, tw- to cook a 12 pound turkey. You're saying so, this as if you've done it yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> it, but it sounds, I'm going to give it a try. Oh, okay. So this uses a trash can. Next it Tuesday, we're having turkey. a pound turkey. of charcoal per pound of turkey. And you turn the trash can upside down while well, you go to the website and take a look at it. Hmm. But if you're looking to be a creative cook. In the campground. In the campground, then this is, this is I'm sure it'll attract your neighbors. They'll say, what does that wonderful smell coming out from that trash can? And you can't eat 12 pounds of turkey by yourself. <laughs> oh, my. We've often talked about... Unique RV designs. And that smaller is more energy efficient and very popular these days. And it's not surprising that this this next development comes from Europe, where the gas is much more expensive than it is here. Because this, this designer a- uses a three-wheeled <laughs> three delivery vehicle... <laughs> <laughs> and builds an RV on it. The the picture of it, when Ken printed it out for me, looks like a coffin where a guy is wrapped in a shroud. Well, but there are several pictures on this website of, of this. I, I think it's real. And the guy, uh, it's a three we, three wheeled delivery vehicle. Delivery vehicle. It looks like it's about eight feet long and about three feet wide. And they've turned it into an RV. And it's got all the amenities, <laughs> even a spot for your laptop, but it has no cooking. Well, maybe it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Okay. So that's something that you might want to take a look at. This is uh, the RV of the future. If gas prices keep going up, it probably will be the RV of the future. It's not a surprise that the link comes from treehugger.com. <laughs> <laughs> that's very apropos. And we are definitely tree huggers. There's certain blogs that are fun to keep an eye on if you're an RVer, and we just found a new one, well, new to us, called Solo Woman RV. And while its title might make you think that this is a woman who's RVing on her own, that really is not the case but what she's a professional travel writer who's written a lot of rv books and she collects ideas and suggestions from her readers um, about things having to do with the rv life so uh, if you like to read blogs while you're drinking your morning coffee as i do yes. uh, you might want to give the solo woman rv um, a look-see and today's feature one of two we're going to do i hope uh it comes uh, at the request of a listener, and they ask us to discuss whether or not they should buy a motorhome or a fifth wheel, and which is best for them or us, pluses and minuses of each. We kind of feel like we've talked about this before yeah. when we actually went through this uh, decision for ourselves, because as most of you know, we had a fifth wheel for quite a while and now are in a motorhome, so yes. obviously we made a decision about what was best for us. Uh, but this and it is a very personal decision. did ask some good questions, um, and some of these should be answered by you, since I don't do the driving like is one of them easier to park than the other absolutely which one the motorhome by far because because it backs up just like a car as long as you don't have the toad on it as long as you don't, well you can't back it up with the toad on it so right. 
So in terms of uh, driving, to me, the, the whole driving experience is just much better. Even though it doesn't bend in the yeah, middle. Even though it doesn't bend in the middle. Yeah, well, that's not a, a, an issue because our motorhome is actually shorter than our fifth wheel. As a whole, As right, a whole. with, with right. the trailer and the truck. Yes. Right. And um, you didn't exactly ask this question, but what I like better about our current setup is I never liked driving a truck when we were not Absolutely. RVing. Um, that means because yeah. we dropped the trailer or because we were at home and the truck was our second car, so to speak. A truck that's sufficiently large to tow a fifth wheel is a behemoth and doesn't get good gas mileage, and it is a challenge for someone like me to park in and of itself. So I much prefer our current setup where we're towing a much smaller Jeep Liberty that is a better second car for me at home as well as when we're on the road. And that's just one of the things. Um, uh, the fifth wheel, we, we really enjoy the fifth wheel, but I think we have decided that fifth wheelers basically are people who go and park and stay and motorhomes are for people who actually travel. And put quite more a few readily miles. and more constantly. Yes, and because if you're going from place to place on a, on a daily basis, not only is the motorhome much more comfortable to drive in and travel in, but it's also uh, much more easy to pick up and move around. So, I find this to be a, a, a big reason. There were also issues like I remember when we had our motorhome and we would go on a long driving day like we did today. I couldn't go in the back and fix lunch while you were driving. Um, sometimes I had to prepare lunches ahead of time and put them in a cooler in the back seat of the truck because the kitchen was not very accessible um, in that particular floor plan. Yes, and you can <laughs> if you have more than two people in the RV, they can be doing other things in the back of the motorhome, which you know kids can be watching TV or playing cards or doing video games or whatever, whereas in a fifth wheel, they can't. You're just kind but of stuck there. For just two people, it's even better because you can always go back and use the bathroom and and relax if you want to, if you know, if you get tired of in the passenger chair. But I would say that uh, fifth wheels have far more varied and interesting floor plan yes. choices. Uh, you don't get that shoebox feeling like you do when you first go into a motorhome, especially when the slide outs are in. Um, and it's much more versatile in, ter- in terms of floor space and design. I remember I had a kitchen island and much in more my, family oriented in my usually. fifth wheel, which gave me some nice counter space that I appreciated. And you get bunk beds and you can have the uh, toy hauler, which these days is very popular, which you don't find. Uh, only a few motorhomes are toy haulers, and they were would be much more expensive. But let's talk about the rutting gear on the motorhome versus the travel trailer. And this is something that we have experienced a few times, that basically travel trailers are not very heavy duty when it comes to their running gear. And this is deceptive because our trailer was fairly large, and I like to bring a fairly large amount of stuff. And <laughs> and we would fill that sucker up, and two separate times we cracked our leaf springs. And two separate trailers, right. And had to um, immediately stop driving. It was quite dismaying. Right. And until we had more ride put on our trailer, which I would definitely recommend anybody get, um, it, the suspension just wouldn't Wasn't up to the it. task. Whereas our motorhome has a three-ton capacity. Not only does it have a large capacity, but it has the space to put three tons of stuff because the bays and the bottom are just overwhelmingly large. So it would be safe to say that, as a rule, a motorhome has more storage space than a I would, trailer. yes. Well, the, yes. And, of course, you have to make a distinction between diesel pushers and gas motorhomes because there is a big difference between them. The Class A's are not just Class A's. Um, I think 
the Class A's all have the advantage of, you know, not bending, and so you can back them up easily. You just have a nice high seat. I love having the big windows. And, for instance, just today I was noticing that because we, our window is flat in the front, I can put the shades down and block out the sun almost any place that it is in the sky if it's coming at us. Whereas in a pickup truck, because the window's slanted, you can't always block out the sun. When you're so driving in the winter, when you're, especially when you're, well, the sun when you're driving, well. yeah, when you're driving anytime. Yeah. Uh, so the motorhome has that kind of an advantage too, which you sometimes don't think about. The camera in the back is a huge plus. He also had a question about which one takes longer to set up, and I don't yeah. remember that being a huge problem with the fifth wheel. But well, we did have to unhitch and hitch. Yeah, the fifth wheel is very quick to unhitch, was, and you know, you drop the legs, you put down the jacks until the weight's off of it. You pull the pin and you drive away. It wasn't to much. undo the umbilical. So it wasn't much to unhitch, but there is a problem, and that is is that unless you have some sort of super expensive jacking system on a fifth wheel, you can't level it side to side without putting blocks down, and that can take you a long time to mess with. Which is one of the reasons why trailer people don't move so often. Yeah, it could it well takes... be. Whereas with the motorhome here, I push a button, and the jacks automatically level us in most situations, both front to back and side to side. So that's a big factor, and that but that adds to the expense of the whole system. Now, mobile suites, I was... One of the comments that I had about uh, earlier was that they have a jacking system that has six jacks for a fifth wheel, and it That's automatically an expensive it's a ten thousand dollar option. Yeah, yeah. But I think that on a motorhome, it's it's comparably priced. Are motorhomes more expensive than fifth wheels? Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> well, you can easily spend a hundred thousand dollars on a fifth wheel. On a, on a mobile suites style. Which would be comparable to the kind of motorhome that we're talking about. And you can easily spend $50,000 on the tow vehicle. Easily. Probably even more than that if you get a 450 or 550. So we're but talking. It's so we're talking about a hundred more than that. Do you get your value for your money? That's a real good question that I can't answer. Well, that's an individual decision. Isn't right, it? right. And he also had a question about storage space. I think we have more storage space in the motorhome, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I, well, and is the, that generally true? Well, though? Some, the big, the big bays under the. Under the, fifth, the wheel fifth wheel are huge, yeah. but it's just one big compartment, which is would it be. It can be hard, hard to, to organize, especially when you get stuff in the middle and you can't mm-hmm. get. It and they out often have plumbing and electrical stuff in there too, which can take away from the space that you have. So we are very happy with our decision to get to have a motorhome, but I was very happy with the fifth wheel too. And, Especially if you have kids. Um, and it was a money thing. It was cheaper. It was cheaper. Oh, yes. And the one we had was, yeah, was substantially cheaper than, than the motorhome. That we, but we also didn't spend as much time. But it was cheaper, cheaper, too. You know, in the motorhome, we have dual-pane windows. We have, you know, nice shades, Corian countertops. And we spend a lot more time. You know, real it. tile on the floor. Yes. Yeah, and that that, makes that's a, a huge factor. And that's why we're not really talking about travel trailers, because travel trailers are for... Real part-timers, weekend people. Mm -hmm. So that's not really a factor here. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about long-term living, either one will work fine. Uh, And you've got to decide about the floor plan. That's the real issue. If you like (laughs) some of these new fifth wheels that are, you know, we're talking about a 40-foot fifth wheel. That would be comparable to the motorhome. One of the things that really surprised me, before we had a motorhome, I always thought that the front, that you lost about five or six 
feet worth of space up front. You had a more a forty foot motorhome, and you really only had a thirty five foot uh, living space because the first feet were always taken up by the driving stuff. But now I see that that's not accurate because we turned the captains to the chairs around, and there's really you have they're a shelf. Part of, they're part of the living room. You have a shelf in the front, which is nice to have put stuff on, which is also called the dashboard, <laughs> and so you all lose almost no space at all to. Uh, to the driving components because the engine and stuff is all in the back. Now, I can remember worrying a lot more when we towed about the weight of things. I'm looking mm-hmm. at this next article you clipped where people are saying it's not worth it to have Corian because Corian is heavy. And I remember worrying about those things a lot more when we had a trailer. Well, as I said, this... And for fuel economy? Well, when you get a diesel pusher, you get large capacities in terms of weight. Um, you know, and that's why we can carry 100 gallons worth of water, which is 800 pounds of water, and not really think about it too much. And, you know, huge uh, gas capacities, and that's another issue. You know, we carry 150 gallons worth of fuel so that we've driven, we could have driven all the way here over a th- almost 1,000 miles and not had to stop for fuel. We did stop once, but... Uh, that was, because it was, that was because it was inexpensive, and, you know, we can really shop around for, for fuel. And that's that's a big plus, because why bother to stop if you don't have to? On our, with it, whereas with our, our pickup, we had to stop every 200, well, less than 200 miles. And get gas. So we would have had to stop five or six, four, at least four or five times <coughs> in the same distance, and that's just a waste of time. And really, no matter what kind of rig you buy, you want to take your time choosing it. Um, it's very easy to be swept away by um, neat design and the latest innovations, and some of them are glitzy and, and not practical, or some of them might be things that you don't like to use. For example, I'm thinking about the kitchen. If you only cook once a week on Tuesdays... Tuesdays? Who does that? You don't need <laughs> to spend a lot of uh, space on countertops and worry about how many burners you have any on your stove or how big your oven is or even if you even have an oven Which whereas if you are a cook uh, those things are important to you and you need to devote more space to them certainly one big mistake we made when we bought our fifth wheel is that we loved the kitchen island when the slides were out but we didn't realize that when the slides came in they were flush against that island which meant that we couldn't get into our kitchen while we were on the road which made picnicking rather problematic uh, and we didn't think about that. So be sure to look at your vehicle with both the slides in and out and see if it's livable both ways. And another thing to give more consideration to, I think they're doing a better job with the newer rigs, uh, is floor coverings. For a while there, they were carpeting everything, which is very lush and plush looking when you're in a showroom. Um, But when you think about cooking in the kitchen and spilling stuff on your lush and plush carpeting and cleaning it up again, it's not very practical. And our current rig has carpeting right where we come in the door and even though we do our best to take yeah, our yeah, shoes yeah. off right away that was a design feature that has been changed in newer rigs and rightly so. So with all of these tips probably you want to come down to the Tampa Super Show which is in mid-January and you can say hello in person to the RV Navigators. We will be wandering the show floor on your behalf looking for great rigs with great floor plans. Taking pictures, getting new ideas, writing critiques. Getting ready for the mid-month podcast. Oh, no, another one. Yes, we will be at the Tampa Super Show looking out for the latest in RV hardware. And on a more serious note, you do want to go to a show or two and really look over the floor plans that you're thinking about buying. Because the 
that's a serious decision. Provide a link uh, to the article that uh, compares fifth wheels and travel trailers uh, so that you can take a look at that if you are interested in that particular If topic. you're trying to make that decision. And it's been so long since we've had a travel trailer, I'm sure there have been numerous changes. And now... The digital s- photo roundup. The digital photo roundup. Having taken 1,700 photos on our last cruise, we are photo experts, or at least we take a lot of pictures anyway. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, megapixels and the trends that I that I see in digital photography. For a while there, it seemed like every new camera came up with more megapixels. Yes. And it seemed like there came a point where you didn't need that many anymore unless you were going to make a poster. And that's pretty much the case. And there is a downside to putting too many megapixels on a chip. Storage space. Well, that's one of them. And my new camera, I've just bought a Canon 60D, which I really like. But you it has it's really an 18 good pictures. It's an 18 it. megapixel <gasps> camera. Holy cow! So, and I take almost all raw, so that every shot I take is 18 megapixels. No wonder we need to buy a new hard drive every so time need, we go on vacation. So the 32 gig card that goes in it gets filled up fairly rapidly, especially when you start shooting videos. And that's the big plus with this camera because I used to tote around both a video camera and a still camera. You used to look like a Sherpa carrying around all this technology on your back, but now that you're old, you don't need to do that anymore. One no, camera technolo- does it all. Yeah, one camera does it all, and it. And it does it very well, and that's the it's a professional quality on both sides, both the still and the video, so that you don't have to carry all that hardware around with you anymore. And that's really hard for some people to believe. Um, but it does do professional quality video and professional quality stills. And because you're using these high quality SLR lenses with your video, you really get some dynamite lenses. And the capability to change lenses, of course, at will is a, a very nice feature. But 18 megapixels. That's too much. It's a lot, that's for sure. Especially when you make a panorama. Yeah, tell me about it. That's why my my computer was choking. Good Lord. So how do you use panoramas? Oh, I love taking panoramas. We were on the largest cruise ship in the universe Which um, we about two weeks month. ago, and we had a hard time documenting its beauty and its immensity without taking panoramas. And the way this works, some, some cameras will assist you in doing this, but you don't really need their assistance anymore. You just take pictures right next to each other and kind of twirl around a, a scene, taking a picture, taking a picture, taking a picture, and then you load them all into the computer. And with Photoshop Elements, it, elements, it puts all those pictures together, it stitches them together into it's a one very giant cool, picture. It's a very cool process. And it used to be very unforgiving. You had to match things perfectly, and sometimes as you panned around, uh, the sun would go in or out, and the color of the sky would change, and you would end up with funny lines on your pictures. But these days, the software takes care of all of those little tricky details and the pictures look wonderful and we've been doing these pictures for quite a while and you can hand hold doing panoramas Um, there are a few problems with that but basically you can with most cameras just do a handheld where click 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 overlapping about 20 percent with each one and you'll get uh, uh, three images or four images that you can stitch together using software and even some of the cameras come with stitching software and the, the new photoshop also does vertical ones 
distance, which is also neat. When you're standing in the middle of a forest and you want to take a picture of that big tree. Yes. Or, you know, just think about standing at the Grand Canyon and trying to do justice to the beauty and immensity of that. You have to take a panorama. You have to take a panorama. You have to. She has to take a panorama. Or you can take three across to the right, move up one, and then three across to the left, and it will stitch all six of those pictures together. At 18 megapixels. At 18 megapixels a shot. But are megapixels the most the most important criteria? And what's the downside to having more megapixels? Well, these chips are so small these days. You know, the, the chip inside your camera is probably the size of your fingernail, your small little fingernail. And that chip, when you put too many pixels on there, what happens is that the pixels become so small that they can't gather light. So their light-gathering capability, in other words, the ISO for the chip goes down, and so you get lots of noise at a higher ISO. So most of these small cameras, really the difference between them and the more expensive DSLRs is the size of the sensor. So they aren't good at taking pictures in low light. No, not at all, and that's but why you my... have a little picture. Well, this is the this is the issue. I think these days you buy megapixels based on the camera that you're that you're shooting, and that's really a factor. When I'm shooting my big camera because I have a, a 24 by 36 inch printer, and I want to make big prints from it, I want every pixel that I can get. And because the sensor in the DSLR is large, the pixels are, by their very nature, much bigger than they would be on a small camera. Now, I also have a Canon S90, which is a pocket point-and-shoot professional camera. Which is good in low light. Which is great. And why is it good in low light? Because it has an F2 lens. And how many megapixels? Ten. So that. But why is it better than my point and shoot, which has six megapixels? Because it doesn't have the light gathering capabilities. Well, then I need a new camera. Oh. <laughs> and you need it with manual control, and so that you can do. <laughs> too bad Christmas is over. <laughs> oh, yes, that's too bad. And did you have a, a, a successful and happy Christmas? Well, I got my Christmas present early. I see. But I still really like it. But mine is a 60D. <laughs> so, and mine is a MacBook my, Air. Mine was a little bit early, but yes, I, I did enjoy it, and I have enjoyed it. But I think you have to be careful about buying cameras by pixels and buy cameras based on what you need them for. I mean, the pocket camera is a camera that you shoot snapshots with. It will take great pictures in basic situations, but uh, when you really want quality, you have to uh, have a big sensor and lots of pixels, not just putting a lot of pixels on a small sensor. Do you agree? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I'm just thinking about all the people I know who only take four by six snapshots. Oh, yeah. And and that's another issue. And then it just doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter at all. You can get by with a six or eight. And you'll be happier with a six or eight because it'll have better qualities, uh, (laughs) color qualities, and light gathering capability so that it will look, the pictures will look better. And those are the same people that also have trouble organizing their pictures and like to just keep loading them all onto one sand disk and never clean it out. So they have like their entire years of photos on one photo card. Well, uh, people buy these, these... And you can't do that if your pictures are 18 megapixels. I empty my card every day, but one, uh, I had another discussion with somebody who has this you know, 12 megapixel camera, and then they, they said, well, I wasn't getting very many pictures on my card, so I turned down the quality of the, of the pictures. So 
the question becomes why, why have you, all those megapixels? Right, if you're going to just kind of disable it by by making the quality less. So when you're taking digital pictures, by all means, you want it at fine. Well, there are usually two settings: fine and the, at the at the maximum resolution. One is uh, how much compression is, and the other one is how many pixels it's saving, what the the size of the picture. And of course, they always save as JPEGs. But if you want the best quality, then you save as RAW. Which will zap your card in no time at all. But if you're as shooting, well as your at-home storage space, at-home storage space, right? That kind of ends up things for this episode. But we want to really end it up by telling you what our New Year's resolutions are. Our New Year's resolution is to do two podcasts a month when we're on the road, if at all possible. That's your only aspiration for the year. Well, I'm not telling you, don't you want the to- other one. Really? <laughs> you don't have books to read? Oh, sure, but those aren't New Year's resolutions. No, my New Year's resolution is to buy all the latest technology that I can get my hands on. <laughs> That's not a New Year's resolution. But I never That's make your it. Philosophy I never of make life. it, though. <laughs> and why you is that? Get a job. Get a job? Oh, my. You're a geezer living on a fixed income. So I can't buy Act any more technology? Find cheaper campgrounds. Find cheaper campgrounds. Oh, with my apps, I will. Well, podcast listeners, it's been a pleasure talking to you on New Year's Eve. We'll get out the champagne now. We tried I to be coherent. I think last coherent. year we had the champagne first, and we decided that was a bad idea. <laughs> so we're no partying it. before podcasts. Work before pleasure. But if you'd like to invite us over for a party, we'll be glad to come. <laughs> so I hope that we're in a campground near you in the not-too-distant future. Definitely be the case if you're going to be in Florida in 2011. And Happy New Year to you. Let old acquaintance be forgotten. Oh.